0: Man, a good song choice, whoever chose that Praise God Get you to shouting and jumping, amen Get your Bibles open tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 And uh, we are full swing into December now Want to give you a couple updates Some half updates Some real updates, full updates um, You know that this last weekend threw us for a major loop With our Christmas play And we had to cancel it or postpone it or We don't know which one it is yet we're still hanging on to a thread of thinking about trying to make a way. That's a mouthful. Thinking of trying to hang on to make a thread of a choice of a hope to make it happen. I don't want it to not happen. We've put so much work into it. And I'm just bent on something somehow way, this, making this happen because it sets already. And so we're praying to see if we can shift a few things. The problem we've had is now that those dates were not, did not happen, we have several different cast members that had work or stuff with their family at the getting closer to Christmas or different things like that where pieces weren't fitting and so we're having to not do it but we're still trying to see if we can have a couple people step in and do it so we're thinking about I can't make a full sure 100% announcement yet we're trying to see if we can make it work to do it next Wednesday I think Wednesday night would be a bad night because it's an off night and might people get out the house and want to see something. Even if it was just for you guys in the church, I know there's a lot of people that haven't seen it. So we're going to try. I want it to be done. I don't want to, uh, you know, take all the time we did to get ready for it and not do it. So we're still hoping, pray with us, that things can work out, but we have to work out a few more little details. We'll be letting you know, obviously, in the next day or two for sure if we're going to have it. And then the other thing is we're going to obviously be having um, our Christmas service on the 22nd. I think that's the date. Christmas is on a Wednesday, the 25th. We will not have service that day. But on the 22nd, we're going to have our are basically Christmas Eve and Christmas services. We'll have two services that day. And in the morning, we're going to have a candlelight communion service. We're going to have some good singing, and we're going to have a good Christmas message. So um, invite someone to do, somebody to that. You know, you got some family members that come to church on Easter and Christmas. So make sure you get them here on one of those dates. Amen. Say, hey, you missed Easter. I need you at Christmas. And then another announcement that's just recently happened Uh, is we're going to have a special guest at the end of this month, if you want to write this down. This was kind of a non-planned thing, but I'm glad it's happening. Uh, The 29th, does anybody know if that's the last? Yeah, that would be the last Sunday. Uh, Pastor Paul and Emily are going to come pay a visit to us and hang out with us for a few days uh, for New Year's. And so he's going to be here ministering on that Sunday, the 29th. And so that is our head pastor, Church. If you don't know him, that is the, the guy that's in charge right now. Under Pastor Jones is obviously still our head, but he's pretty much heading up our church. And uh, he's a great preacher. They have a wonderful family. They served in Africa for four years and started some awesome works. I don't think most of you have heard him unless you've been to conference. And uh, I don't think he's... It's been quite a while since he's been here. And I don't think he's ever come... For normal service, I think he's been here for Pioneer Boot Camp and different stuff like that. So he'll be here Sunday morning and Sunday night. So set that on your calendars to be here because he's going to bring a great word, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be really received. It'll be, I think it'll be awesome going into the new year having him here, and I know he's going to bring a great word. So there's a couple of announcements. If you got your Bibles open to Second Corinthians 12, we'll we'll read that in just a moment. But I want to tell a quick story. If you're taking notes, the Lord has put on my heart tonight to talk about the wonderful, amazing grace of God. Amen. The, um, the amazing, wonderful, or the wonderful, amazing, whichever everyone you want to put first, grace of God. There's a story about Fiorello LaGuardia, who was the mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Great Depression and during World War II. He was called by adoring New Yorkers the little, the little flower because he was only five foot four and always wore a carnation on his lapel. He was a colorful character who used to ride the New York City fire trucks, raid uh, in, in, uh, events, and just show up with the police department, take entire orphanages to baseball games, and whenever the New York newspapers were on strike. He would go on the radio and read the Sunday funnies to the kids. One bitterly cold night in January of 1935, the mayor turned up at a night court that served the poorest ward of the city. Laguardia dismissed the judge for the evening and took over the bench himself. Sounds like an interesting guy. Within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her. Her daughter was sick and her two grandchildren were starving. But the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges. It's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor, the man told the mayor. She's got to be punished to teach the other people around her a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, I have to punish you. The law makes no exceptions, $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as he pronounced sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket. He extracted a bill and tossed it into his famous hat, saying, here's the $10 fine, which I now remit. And furthermore, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents For living in a town where a person has to steal a a loaf of bread for her grandchildren to eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. So the following day, the New York City newspapers reported that 4750 was turned over to a bewildered old lady who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving children, grandchildren. 50 cents of that amount being contributed by the red-faced grocery store owner, while some petty criminals with traffic violations and New York City policemen, each of whom had to pay 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, they gave the mayor a standing ovation. Amen? That's grace. That's a picture, church, of God. I want to talk tonight about the wonderful, amazing grace of God. Amen. Can you you understand tonight how amazing God's grace is? I hope by the time the service is over, you do. Now, I want to read a a chapter here, a couple verses in 2 Corinthians 12. And I want to show you something I feel like the Lord showed me that we need to understand. As you read and say amen if you're at verse 7, it says, Paul says, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure..." Or measure, sorry, I know some people don't like the way I say that. By the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in my flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. See, I'll say it right for you guys. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He said these words, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I would rather boast, listen, in my infirmities than the power, sorry, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, anoint your word for the next few minutes tonight. God and Lord, our minds might be running in different directions. We might be going through different things tonight, Father. Father. Lord, we might be facing all different circumstances and situations. But God, I ask you tonight in the name of Jesus to have your way in this service. And Lord, as we're coming off of a a day without church on Sunday, Lord, we're hungry for your word. And Lord, if we're busy tonight, let us shut our minds off for a couple minutes to hear this word that could transform our lives. And Satan, we come against you and all your strategies, all your distractions all flesh that would rise up against the word of God and we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit Jesus upon this word in Jesus name we pray amen i'm going to read this again and i want you to look at this again because there's a revelation in this scripture as we're coming off of these days church where we were stuck in our houses and a storm hit from one day to the next you know we were If you think about it, that what just happened this last weekend is an example of how quickly life can change. We were up here Thursday, and I was up here with Jeff, and we were hanging microphones, and we were getting this set ready to have a play on Saturday, to have a rehearsal on Friday. All of you were getting ready to do your normal things. We knew a storm was coming. We knew that it was going to be cold, and we knew all these different things, but there's no way we could have known it would be that serious or that bad or that all these things would happen. And and we need to realize how quickly things can change. And that we're all sitting here right now at this moment, not because we're good or have it all together, but because of the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Because any one of us could be that poor woman who died on that bridge going to trying to get to work because her boss said she had to come in. Any one of us could have gotten in a wreck. Any one of us could have gone on to meet Jesus. Any one of us could have had all kinds of things happen. We're not here tonight because we said, oh, I'm going to go to church. We're here because of the grace of God. And we need to understand that as this thing happened over the weekend, God is so in control that he'll say sometimes, I need my people to stop. And if they don't want to stop and slow down, I'll slow them down. And if they don't want to do it my way, I'll make them do it my way. I'll bring in a storm that'll close the whole city down so that people will have to spend some time together as a family. I'll stop everything so some people might have to spend more than five minutes together in the house. I'm going to solve some marital problems. I'm going to solve some family problems. Or I'm going to cause some family problems. Amen. He said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. Amen. He's going to do something because he says, I'm God and you're not. And I'm in control and you're not. And the quicker you realize that in your life and get a revelation that you're not God and he is and we're in his hands, everything will be better for you. I promise. If you would just start saying, God, you are God. You want to freeze the city, you can freeze the city. You want to thaw the city, you can thaw the city. You want to stop the play, you can stop the play. Whatever you want, God, I'm just going to sit back and let it happen. Now, I want to read this again. I want you to really pay attention to it because you might not have ever thought about this the way I'm going to tell it to you tonight. Read it again. Paul is saying these words. How many know that Paul had an affliction? All kinds of theologians will say different things. Some people thought he had eye problems. Some people thought he had literally a physical ailment in his, in his stomach. There's all kinds of things. It really does not matter what it was. He had a problem with, that most people do believe was physical. But tonight, there's all, every single one of us, say every single one of us, has a thorn in our side. And that wasn't your moment to elbow your spouse and say you're it. Amen. Every single one of us has a thorn in our side. And I want you to see that in this in this message. He says, "Lest I should be exalted above the by, sorry, above measure the abundance of revelation." See, Paul was getting these things from God. God was speaking to him. I mean, really speaking to him. And 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 he he says himself, "I needed I realized I needed God to, to, to do something in me because I could have gotten boastful. I could have gotten big headed. I could have began to think, wow, I must be somebody because God's speaking to me. And, and the quicker you realize, like I said a few minutes ago, that we're nothing, the more quicker God will use you. And use your life for something great when you realize you don't have anything to offer in the first place. And anything you've ever done for God or for your family is by God's grace alone. He says, I, if, I don't, if God doesn't do this, I'm going to be exalted beyond measure. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. God allowed this messenger of Satan to go and do something to Paul that bothered him. You need to realize tonight, and I need to realize, every single one of us in here on this Wednesday night need to realize there's something God allows to happen in our lives, not just once, but continuous, that is a thorn in your side that causes you to understand his grace. His grace. It's a weird way to look at it, but it's what God's saying in his word. He says, lest I be exalted above measure or measure. I've been corrected on that so many times I feel bad saying it. I feel like I'm cussing or something. Tomato, tomato, that's all I got to say. Who else says it like that, by the way? Do I have anybody else in here? No, Abigail, there we go. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. For those listening by internet, she's Three. so a four-year-old just helped me out he says concerning this thing are you looking at your bible verse eight i pleaded with the lord three times that doesn't mean it just came three times means for the first three times he said god please take this thorn out of my side and he said to me no i'm not going to take the thorn out of your side because that's how i teach you grace It's okay that it's quiet because that's the Holy Spirit speaking to somebody right now. He says, I'm not going to take that away from you because that's how I show you my grace. No, I'm not going to do that. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Every single one of us in this place tonight have a weakness, have a thorn in our side, have things that make us close and borderline to being major sinners or failing in a major way or, or, or being tempted in a major way or, or having something of depression or there's all kinds of things that are happening and we look at it sometimes and we go, oh God, what am I doing wrong? And Paul wasn't doing anything wrong. God says, I need to allow this to happen to you so you will understand that my grace is sufficient for you. The wonderful, amazing grace of God. Therefore, he says, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities. Watch this. We think sometimes there's teaching somewhere in this world where people preach if you're sick You must not have faith. If you don't have a lot of money, you must not have faith. If you're having problems, you must be doing something wrong. It's called faith teaching. It's a false doctrine. We are supposed to have faith. But do you think Paul lacked any faith? I don't think so. He's Paul the apostle. And he says, I boast in my sickness. I boast In my reproaches, I boast in my needs, I boast in persecutions and in distresses for Christ's sake. I realize tonight that if something is happening to me, if I am weak, then I'm really strong. If I'm weak, I'm really strong. Let me say that again. See, we think we're weak and we go, oh, I'm failing. No, you're not. When you're weak, you're really strong. When you get to a place, I was walking with Dwayne today and we, we were walking near some ice and I said, hey, be careful because when you start to walk on that ice like you think you're not going to fall, that's when you fall. Amen? I'm going to put myself on blast for just a second. I walked out of my house the other day and the melt, ice was starting to melt and I thought it was good, you know? So we had several neighbors out there doing all kinds of different things and I thought I, was, I wasn't i was even, you know, walking like this. I was beating being careful and whoosh, right in front of neighbors. I don't know if they saw me or not, but I got up fast and acted like you know nothing happened. You know how that is. Thank God I didn't slip again. That's even worse. Right? So you have to be careful that you don't get to a place where you feel like you have it all together. Because God says, if you get to that place, I'm going to show you how my grace is sufficient for you. But we shouldn't look at that as a bad thing. We should look at it as God. You are so good. You're wonderful, amazing grace. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'm going to tell you a quick story to give you an illustration of this. Going back again to this last weekend and realizing when things happen out of our control, why couldn't we do this play? Why would why would we plan so much and do all these things? And man, these were good dates. And this just I'm just giving an example of the church. We all had plans. Y'all have things we're doing, and we ask ourselves, we ask God, why and, I, I, I am disappointed we didn't get to do the play, but I understand 150% that God knew what he was doing and he has a reason why everything happened. Everything. I have no doubt. I'm not questioning that. Still trying to figure out how we can do it, but I'm not questioning why it didn't happen last weekend. Because what happens is God sees the future. God sees tomorrow. God sees next week. And he sees the big picture. And as a father that loves us and has lots of grace, he's watching for us. And he says, hey, I need to control a situation here. Guess what? We're hard-headed people. And we're like the wolf. And I'm going to tell a story some of you might have heard before. And it might be an urban legend. It really doesn't matter, but it's a good illustration. Have you, how many have heard the story of how Eskimos catch wolves? you ever heard it? You might hear it as I get going along a bit. You might oh, okay, I know what I'm talking about. So far, no? Again, this could be an urban legend. It really doesn't matter if it's true, if it really happens, if this is how they do it or whatever. But think about this. They say that Eskimos catch wolves. Why would you want to catch a wolf so it don't catch you? That, some people might say, well, wolves probably ain't very good meat. Well, if you were really hungry, it would be real good. Wolf, wolf jerky. Amen. Whatever it is you need. But wolf, wolf don't matter. If you, eat, if you kill the wolf before the wolf kills you, you live. That's a good enough reason why Eskimos would kill wolves. But they figured out a way to kill wolves. And I want you to think about this tonight of how the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But how God has everything worked out. What they do is they take a knife and they dip it in blood of an animal. And, you know, wolves are carnivorous, and they're, they're predators, and they're, they, they kill to eat. And they dip this knife very sharp. They sharpen it up real good and make it super, super sharp. And then they dip it in blood, and they take it out, and they let it freeze. And once it freezes, they go back in, and they dip it again in blood, and they take it back out, and they let the second layer freeze. And they do that till there's four or five or six layers of blood on this knife, sharp. Then they go out to an area where they know there's wolves, and they put the knife in the ground so only the red blood is sticking up, the frozen blood popsicle. And they leave. That wolf smells the blood. That wolf comes along, and he begins to lick the popsicle, and he tastes blood. And he begins to lick it more, and he gets more blood. And he keeps on licking till the first layer's gone. And he keeps on licking, and he's, he's eating this blood, and it's, it's pulling on him because the taste of blood is what draws them. And so he's thinking there's meat down there somewhere. There's something below this blood. And he keeps licking till all the layers are gone, until he gets to that sword. Now his, his tongue is so numb by licking that popsicle of blood, that by the time he gets to the sharp knife, He cuts his tongue wide open, and now his warm blood from his own tongue is on that popsicle, he thinks. And he keeps on licking and licking and licking until he bleeds to death. And the next day they go out and the Eskimos find the wolf dead by his own blood. What am I trying to say? I could take that a whole lot of different ways. One of them could be temptation that the devil does that and you keep on doing it and you keep on doing it and you keep on doing it till it just seems like it's OK. The other option is the frog. I've talked to you about it a bunch of times. You, you sit they'll boil a frog alive because he's sitting in that water and they slowly turn it up. The devil tempts you and tempts you, but that's not even the angle I want to take. I want you to think about that in the way that we are so hard-headed sometimes as human beings and don't understand the grace of God that God is saying, hey, there's something over there that's going to kill you if I let you get to it. I'm going to stop everything. I'm going to freeze the world if I have to so that you will not move forward because something's going to happen if I don't stop things. And he takes control, totally takes control of the whole situation. And we have to make the choice. Okay, it's frozen outside. Am I going to sit in my house and say, God, you're God. And I'm just going to wait this out. Or am I going to be hard-headed and say, no, I'm going to go out and walk on this ice and fall. I'm going to go out and drive on this ice and kill myself. I'm going to go out and do what I'm supposed to do. God did everything he could to shut the city down. How many are following me? Amen? You can, he, he says sometimes this is just how he has to do it because we're hard-headed people. And he wants to stop us and get attention. That's why I sent that text out. And I said, "What? how many of you missed church? How many of you uh, felt, you know, what did the Lord speak to you? What did he say to you? What did he show you? And you responded such good things. And that's what I wanted you to think about. Man, I missed church. Man, I needed the fellowship. Man, I could see how it would be bad if I missed two or three weeks in a row. And I just wanted you to think, what was God doing by stopping us with this storm. What was he doing? He was getting us to stop and reflect and get things into perspective so that we can understand his grace, his powerful, wonderful, amazing grace. Are you following me? Church, we don't understand too much, too many times how amazing and wonderful God's grace is. Because we can't see sometimes the big picture. We need to sit back like Sunday and Saturday and Friday and go, wow, things can change in 24 hours. My life can change. You know, think about that. What if, what if that would have been the rapture? What if the church would have been gone? In the name of Jesus, not one of us sitting here in this church would have been here. But the world would have gone into a time of tribulation. And the world would have shut down. Can you imagine this last weekend if, if while this frozenness was happening, our grid would have gone down? Can you imagine that? Did you think about that? Man, we're in our houses, nowhere to go. 3,000 semis are sitting on 35 and can't move with food and gas and things and all this. And this is just a little storm. What if all the electricity and all the gas and all the heat and all the food would have been gone? What would we have done? People would have been going crazy. But God's grace is sufficient. He knows what he's doing. And you, you might not know it now, but you're going to be able to look back later and you're going to say, wow, God saved me from something. God spoke something to me. We need to learn to start looking at our lives and not just going, oh, that bad thing happened. No, God, what are you trying to tell me? God, what are you trying to speak to me through this situation? God, what do you want to show me? You need to be learners. We need to be learners. And we need to understand how graceful God is. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come with confidence and draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace, listen, to help us in time of need. Do you realize that when things change and when that money comes in that you weren't expecting or when that bill gets taken care of or when that food comes or whatever it is, that's not you doing anything, that's God's grace. God's grace. And we can come and say, God, I am nothing Without you. I have nothing. I can do nothing. I can say nothing. I'm nothing without you, God. First Peter 5, 10. I just want to read a couple more verses. It says, and this is interesting. If you really listen to these words, I hope you write them down and read them again later. And after you have suffered, this isn't Paul now, this is Peter. After you have suffered a little while. So we don't like that word. We don't like the suffer part. We don't like going through things, but you know what I really believe? You'll get through what you're going through faster if your attitude's right. I believe that. I believe if you're going to sulk and cry and whine and woe is me about whatever you're going through, it's going to take a lot longer. Whether it really does or not, it's going to seem like it to you. Can you say amen? You say, okay, God, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. It's hot or cold in here, Lord. What are you trying to say? What do you want me to learn? Speak. Okay, gotcha. Let's move on. And if he sees your heart right, he'll move it on. Amen. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm seeing here in these verses that he's allowing these things to happen to understand his grace. After you suffer a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, listen, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Oh, I'm going to read that again. Somebody give me an amen so I can read it again. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, has anybody in here realized this week that we're just passing through? Amen. This is not our home. This is temporary. The problems are temporary. The the, the situations are temporary. We are going to spend eternity with God, and I don't care if you get excited about that or not. That's enough for me to stay happy in every situation that I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. Amen. Amen. I have an eternal glory in Christ. He says he'll restore, he'll confirm, he'll strengthen, and he'll establish you. Amen. One more verse. Ephesians 2. Write this down. 4 to 9. But God. But God. That's all we got to say. How many times can you look back this week, last week, last month, last year and say, but God. But God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. You know what you need to do next time you're down? Realize how lost you were before Jesus saved you. Come on. It'll quickly change your perspective. Oh my gosh, where was I headed? Where should I be right now? I should be in hell. So should you. I deserve. Listen to that story we read in the beginning. That woman deserved, regardless of why she stole. The law says she should be punished. But that's a picture of God. He steps in and says, hey, I'm going to pay it for you. And I'm going to make everybody else help pay. And not only are you going to get paid, you're going to get blessed out of this. God can take that situation, if you got the right attitude, and not only turn it around, but make it better than when you came into it. And you see that all throughout the Bible, amen? All throughout the Bible. He says, I'm not only going to fix it, I'm going to make it better than when you came in. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Listen, he says, by grace, you have been saved. Oh, I, I chose Jesus. I'm saved because I believe in Jesus. No, you're saved by grace. Do you realize that? Do you realize you could have been born somewhere else? You realize that somebody could have shut their mouth instead of opening it when they walked by you and told you about Jesus? I'm not going to go into the 50 scenarios. We're here by grace. By the grace of God. Listen, he says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved, through faith, and not by your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. Man, that's a good word. The grace, the wonderful, amazing grace of God. Let me read a story to end. I'll go ahead and ask the musicians to come tonight. Pay attention to this story. There was a boy defiantly. Now, when, I read it, when you read a story, I don't know about you, sometimes I might even have to close my eyes so I can focus. Whatever you got to do, but pay attention to this story. A boy defiantly with his head cocked back and hands clenched, said, go ahead, give it to me. I remember when we used to spank Destiny. We'd spank her hard, and she'd say, that didn't hurt. <laughs> I'm serious. And you had to make a decision. Do I spank her again, or something she got a demon or something? You're trying to figure out, what's, what do I do, you know? That didn't hurt. He says, go ahead and give it to me. I can take it. The principal looks down at the young rebel, says, how many times have you been here? The child sneers rebelliously. I know we ain't got no kids like that in here. Apparently, not enough, he says. That's what the kid said. The principal gives the boy a strange look and says, you've been punished each time, have you not? Yes, I've been punished, if that's what you want to call it. He throws out his small chest and says, go ahead. I can take whatever you can dish out. I always have. Carefully studying the boy's face, the principal says, are there any thoughts of punishment in your mind when you break these rules? Nope. I do whatever I want. Ain't nothing you, gonna, you people going to do to stop me neither. Principal looks over at the teacher who's sitting nearby and says, what did he do this time? Fighting. He took little Tommy and shoved his face into the sandbox. Principal turns to look at the boy and says, why did you do that to little Tommy? Or sorry, what, why, why'd you do that? What did little Tommy do to you? Nothing. I didn't like the way he was looking at me. Just like I don't like the way you're looking at me now. In fact, if I thought I could do it, I'd shove your face into something. Some of y'all go, man, this sound like me. The teacher stiffens and starts to rise. But a quick look from the principal stops him and says, as he contemplates for the, with the child for a moment, he says, today, my young, my young boy, is the day that you are going to learn about grace. Grace. He says, isn't that something you do before you eat a meal? I don't need none of your stinking Grace. Oh, but you do, says the principal. After studying the boy's face, he whispers, Oh, yes, you do truly need grace. The boy glared at the principal and continued. Grace, in its short definition, the principal says, is unmerited favor. You can't earn grace, my child. Grace is a gift, and it's always freely given. Grace means you will not be getting what you deserve. The boy looks puzzled. says, so you're not going to whoop me? You're just going to let me walk? The principal looks down at the unyielding child and says, yes, I'm going to let you walk. The boy studies the face of the principal and says, no punishment at all? You're not going to punish me even though I socked Tommy and shoved his face into the sandbox? Oh, there has to be punishment. What you did was wrong and there's always consequences for our actions. There will be punishment. Grace is not an excuse for doing wrong. I knew it, sneers the boy, holding his hands. He says, let's get on with it. The principal nods to the teacher and says, bring me the belt. I know we're talking an old story here. The teacher presents the belt to the principal. He carefully folds it in two and hands it back to the teacher he looks at the child and says i want you to count the blows the principal slides out from behind his desk and walks over to the child the child stands defiantly with his hands outstretched the principal gently moves the child's expectant hands down to his sides turning to the teacher the principal stretches out his hands quietly says, Begin. The belt slaps against the principal's outstretched hands, Crack! The young boy jumps, shock registers across his face, One, he whispers, Crack, Two, his voice raises an octave, Crack, Three, he is unable to believe this, Crack, Four, Big tears begin to well up in the eyes of the young rebellious kid. Okay, stop, that's enough, stop, crack, the belt continues to come down on the principal's swollen hands, crack, the child flinches with every blow from the teacher, tears start streaming down the child's face, crack, crack, no, please, the formal rebel begs, stop, I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who deserves the punishment. Stop, please stop, the boy sobs. Still, the blows come crack, crack. Finally, it's over. The principal, with sweat glistening across his forehead, turns to the formal rebel, kneels down, cradles the child's face with his swollen hands, and says, This, my boy, is grace. That story is an excellent example of the unmerited favor of God. The amazing, wonderful grace of God. Because we're sitting here tonight as people, I hope, who are thankful for what God has done. But here's what's crazy about God. He died for those people who are sticking their fists up in the air at God today. Just like that rebellious boy and the world says, oh, there's no God. Oh, there's no Jesus. Oh, there's no salvation. I can do it myself. I am, I'm the man. I'm the woman. I run this thing. And they stick their fists up at God. They stuck their fists at Jesus as he walked by with the cross. And Jesus said, I'm going to show you grace today. I could kill you right now. I could blow you dead. I could bring angels down, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to show you what grace is. Church, not one of us in here today deserves what Jesus did. You want to see your life change tonight? Understand the grace of God. Not the grace that says, okay, well, I can just go do what I want. The grace that says, God, I don't want to see you whipped again. I don't want to see you nailed to that cross again. I don't want to do anything that would trample on your precious blood thank you for your grace amen and as you go out of this place tonight church every single one of you young and old you need to remember tonight that when you face something god allows it and nothing is going to happen to you or me that god does not allow because you're under his mighty hand you are like psalms 91 says under the shadow of the almighty Everything that happens, sometimes things don't make sense. You just need to say, God, I know your grace is sufficient for me. Father, I thank you for your grace.